With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everybody and welcome to the Lion of Vienna Suite podcast, episode eighty-two. My name is Dan Murphy, and we are back. It's the first one of the season somehow, despite it being September. Very, very sorry about that, but life doesn't half get in the way, does it, Chris Manning? Good evening. No, it doesn't. You're right. Um, it does even. Not no, it doesn't. That was completely wrong. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it would have been first words at your mouth. A very good start. Obviously, out of practice. Uh, I'm fine, thanks, go. Dan. Yeah, it's nice to be on the on the podcast. I always enjoy it. It's a, a nice distraction from sitting watching England, who are currently twenty minutes in and struggling quite badly against Slovakia. Honestly, could not think of anything worse of watching England in any form of nope. match that isn't in a tournament. And I'm glad I'm not. But it's not as if we wouldn't be used to watching complete and utter draws, would it, Will Jones? No, it wouldn't. Good evening, everybody. How are you? Well? I'm not too bad. Thank you. I'm not too bad. I'm also watching England. Be terrible as usual, and, but we're not. You know, it's, don't, you're putting yourself through double the strain as you've on of the three people on this current podcast. You've easily uh, listened or watched, I should say, uh, the most Bolton matches this season. You've been to every home game and a mm. couple of ways. I've been to precisely none. I watched the Leeds game as I got back home from holiday at literally about ten to kick off time. So that was good. And Chris, I don't think you've watched anything either. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the uh, watched the Leeds one. Yeah, when I was on holiday, I was on holiday in fact for all of them. Um, I've not been to any yet this season, and despite having a season ticket, an absolute waste of money that's been so far. I must say, I've planned West Ham away. That's that's in the diary. That's booked. That's going. That'll be the first one of the season, and perhaps the only one apart from any away games that in Yorkshire when I'm in uni. Apart from that, well, we've got literally nothing to add, Chris. So, will the season? It's been rather yeah. bad so far. Bolton are without a win. The bottom of the table, only two points mm-hmm. to their name after two draws against Millwall and Birmingham City, respectively. Both coming away from home. Elsewhere, we lost on the opening day 3-2 to Leeds. We lost to Derby County 2-1 at home. And we uh, our last game before the international break, we were handedly and easily swept aside by Hull City and, most importantly, Grzycki as they smashed us 4-0. So, you can start wherever you want to begin. How yeah, has the I mean, season been thus well, far? And me and Chris will chime in with our observations and questions as we go on. That's fine. We'll go from the Leeds game. Uh, without trying to receive too much criticism from this, I don't think we actually played too badly against Leeds. I mean, obviously, the first half was pretty poor. Thankfully, um, I watched think... this game from the benefit of Sky's cameras. And the first half was fucking diabolical. It yeah, was appalling. Was. Defending all over the shop. It was as if we hadn't spent the whole summer practicing probably hadn't and it was appalling in the first half and I'm not saying you know that uh, Hernandez is you know Pablo Hernandez isn't miles above every other player in this division apart from Grzycki that it should be illegal for them to play in the championship he's absolutely dirt good but 
it wasn't half made easy for him, was it? It was, yeah. It was just, it's like we weren't even there the first half, you know, and it, it really didn't go to plan. And it seems like just even since that, you know, with the other four games, it's, or three games or whatever, it's just we've had an issue with the first half. And I know we haven't gone down and lost MB3 down by half an hour in every game, but even so, we've still kind of struggled to, to get going. And then the second half, we've eventually improved, but it really shouldn't be taking us that long to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did think the second half were a lot better. Like eight minutes into the season, I said, I do not want to see Garmin again already. And that's because he <laughs> kind of wussed out of a challenge within eight minutes in the box. And it was like, oh, typical Medine. But I hit my words by the end of the match as he scored, and he scored another goal since. Probably, I can mm. imagine the best start of a goal scoring season he's ever had. Um, and he was really good in the second. Oh, to be fair, in all of that Leeds game, he was easily in the man of match. He put himself about. He was quite clever with his headers. Is as he's as his form continued this year, despite our obviously lack of goals and victories of any kind. Um, I think he's definitely improved as a player. Obviously, since last year, it, it gave him endless confidence. And you know, I think the fans are definitely behind him this season, which perhaps is making him look a little better than. You know, he is when you've you've got to take things in perspective. Like you said, we're bottom of the league. We've not won. You know, and you and you're trying to praise someone for being like our savior and stuff, and it it doesn't quite work at the minute. But um, hopefully, you know, once once we start getting a couple of wins under our belt, if he's starting to become like the outright top scorer, you know, like if if I'll struggle in a little bit, then I think he deserves the praise that he's getting. But at the minute, we've we've got to find our feet first before we start praising individuals. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, after the actual Leeds game, we did win in the cup against Crew Alexandria. I mean, you know, our only victories this year have come in the cup, and the, the second one was actually a, a surprise win against Sheffield Wednesday at home. In Sheffield Wednesday played a fairly strong team. John, you know, John Rod's doing his best, and our defence doing its best to fuck it all up for us. But we did win uh, against Sheffield Wednesday, which was weird considering we've not been able to compete, you know, with other top sides in the division. But we could beat. And obviously, it was a league game, maybe not playing to their absolute utmost, but still beat a fairly strong Sheffield Wednesday side, uh, mm-hmm. despite not being able to compete with the likes of Derby and Hull. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's seemed a bit weird the way it works, obviously. I mean, Derby and no mugs and Hull are pretty good as well, obviously, like you said, with that Krasitsky ladder where his name is. It's it's kind of hard for us to compete, and it will be this season. You know, again, the money's going mental. And, you know, whilst we're stuck with a squad that's cost us absolutely nothing, and then you're trying to compete against the likes of British of longer who we're up against next, you know, it's it's not going to be an easy season for us. Oh, so. Play middles a bit next, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So it's not, it's not the easiest run. But like you said, Sheffield Wednesday, you know, it, they were a very strong team. I mean, they didn't change, it up, change the team up too much, I don't think. And, um, Obviously, Jordan Rhodes doing his typical getting a brace against us. I don't know how many times he's done that in the past for different clubs, but it certainly scared us a little bit. I mean, I was there for that as well, and then Carlos Carvajal kind of ruined it for himself there. But um, we won't go too much into that because I don't know the ins and outs of it particularly. Um, But yeah, it seemed a little strange that our wins have just come in the Cups. Obviously, Crew as well, I was there for that. And, you know, we we didn't look like world beaters there at all, but. You know, it's crew at the end of the day, isn't it? Um, so you can't read too much into it, but not looking forward to Middlesbrough. <laughs> Absolutely. A big problem this year, Chris, is that already, and it's the ever-ending, never-ending, I should say, injury curse, and it struck us down once again. Josh Vella out for a foreseeable amount of time, or unforeseeable amount of time, and Jim Carrickan, he went off injured in the last game from an awful challenge. I don't believe it's been, well, I've not at least seen how long he's out for. That's 
you know, the midfield that Parkinson planned to play this year, gone already, and it seems like the Prattley, who has not had a good set time of it at all this year, um, we're going to have to go with him for the foreseeable, and it's kind of mm-hmm. all backfiring already, mm-hmm. especially in terms of having a limited it squad. Is. Well, the spine of the team that did so well last year was Abibas and Wheater, Vela and Medine, and, and two out of that most important four players in the squad are, are injured. Um, Wheater are expected back for this weekend, I believe, which is good. But there's no way that you know the, the sort of spurt that Medine had last season, uh, on its in and itself, would be enough to to make up for that gap in quality. He needs Vela, he needs Wheater and Beavers at full strength, and, and we haven't had the either. We haven't had two of those four, like I've said. So we were always bound to struggle. I think before this injury crisis hit, um, and the fact that we you know we reinforced with Craig Noon on deadline day was great, mm-hmm. but. I was hoping for another couple. I can't. Uh, I can't pretend that I wasn't. Especially when the squad is so unbalanced. You know, we've got what well, Amiobi, Chris Taylor, Will Buckley, Craig Noon, Felipe Marais. So many wingers. Mm, um, it can only point to a. It can only point to a, an an incoming change of formation. In my eyes, that's the only way that you make that squad work. Well, otherwise, it, it you know, otherwise just looks like you've just not planned it properly. You've just picked up players as and when they became available. Well, Will, that's obviously been a big kind of debate, a problem, an issue this year so far. Phil uh, Parkson has kind of persevered with the three-five-two. Which, sorry about the random <coughs> all these children screaming in the background. Um, you know, he he's persevered with the three-five-two that got us over the line last year, but it's just <laughs> not been working this year. And why is that? Um. Obviously, only he knows kind of why that's not working. But I think everybody else can just see that it's not going to work really this season. And um, I've argued it many times. I think we should be going back to four four two because it gets our best players higher up the pitch. We've got two proper fullbacks that we can be using. We've got Mark Little and Andrew Taylor, which are perfect fullbacks, you know. And even Anthony Robinson, you know, if he surpasses. Taylor, and then you've got Marais and Buckley who can be made out-and-out wingers and they can be used properly. Um, and then you've got the two up front, obviously, and I think it just works just as well. And then you've got enough cover at the back whilst you're going forward as well. And I think that's going to be a better option for, for us going forward because filling the midfield just doesn't seem to work, and particularly whilst Prattley's under so much criticism you know and with, what's with Prattley been doing wrong then like he came on against Sheffield Wednesday that's when it all went to shit he played mm-hmm. against Hull you know we all know how that first 30 minutes went like, why mm-hmm. is it now that Prattley's been so bad I, I, I don't know I think he's received perhaps a little bit too much criticism and I know that there was a piece that went live courtesy of down the money road the other week and complaining that he was getting too much abuse without even kicking the ball and you know that that goes for any player but it just seems to have been emphasised since we've come back up to the championship that he's really not at that standard, and he, we can't be, we can't afford to be starting with him in the centre of our midfield because it just doesn't work. But I suppose we've got no backup whilst fellas injured. Yeah, beggars can't be choosers. Well, speaking mm-hmm. of beggars, Jay Spearing remains about a club, and he even put on Instagram today a very, uh, a very um, kind of inspirational image. You know, like those crappy little. Uh, pictures when you get a quote on it and I quote to you sometimes you have to get knocked down lower than you've ever been to stand up taller than you ever were which would be hard for little Jay um, he's, somehow I, I do find it quite weird that not even a League One or another lower championship club hasn't picked him up but he remains without a club the last thing I saw him doing in football was working for Liverpool TV commentating on the under 18s do you reckon there's any scope possibility for a return Chris? 
I don't know. I'm, I'm completely torn on this one because I, I don't, you know, it, I've seen Sparing at his best, which was which was great. But we've also seen much more, I think, of Sparing not at that level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, last season, I think, you know, he was he was good. I, I don't think he was, you know, the reason we got promoted or not even necessarily one of our sort of top three most important players. So whilst I, I'm desperate for someone to come in that position because I think our defence is struggling really bad from a a lack of protection, someone screening in front, just because as much as I like Derek, he's not that guy. Clearly, he's not got that in him. Um, so somebody needs to come in and play that position. He seems to be the obvious target. And with any, as, as ever with Bolton fans, we get so romantically attached to the players that we mm-hmm. we can't see beyond the end of our own nose. And who's to say there's not a better option out there? It might have been Jason Lowe, I don't know. But, you know, Spearing doesn't seem like any closer to come in. And if he does come in now, how soon would it be before he could play? A month, maybe? I don't know three or four weeks, something like that. It's an obvious one, but I don't think that necessarily means it's the right one. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure if that makes sense. But, no, uh, I, I get where, uh, mm. where do you stand on this, uh, Will? I'm a big fan of Spearing. I mean, he, he seems to be the rock of the team last year. And like Chris said, he wasn't the whole reason that we got promoted, you know, but he, he certainly played a big part in it. And by the looks of like his social media, like you said, he has been keeping himself in shape. And I know he has been doing... TV, TV work and what have you, and it might take him a while to get back into it. But I still think he's the best man for the for the for the job, really. I, I think he's, for me he's as definitely well, should be club anyway. Not only ability wise, but we've lost that kind of. And maybe it might be a little cliche to say, this, but we have lost that leader in the middle of the park, that someone who can, you know, throw in a tackle, grab the game by the bollocks and whatnot. And I like Jared Carrickan a lot. I like Vela a lot. I think I could get to like Cullen a lot. He's blowing a bit hot and cold thus far, but he's, he seems like a decent young player. But none of them really have the kind of grit and the guile. I don't think bit of the you know bit of the rough stuff to the game. Yeah, I think his physical presence. I mean, even though he, he's only little, you know, he wasn't afraid to go flying into a challenge every so often. You know, and I think that's kind of what it takes just to have a bit of fight in the middle, just to kind of get us going a little bit because. Like you said, Karakhan's a very technical player and probably too scared to put in a challenge. Mm-hmm. Cullen, again, reminds me of Mark Davis, but he was never a tackler either. Um, but I, th- I think we are just missing someone who, like you said, just has a bit of fight about them and isn't afraid to put a foot in, you know, and just say, right, come on, we need to get going again. Because um, we, uh, oh. we, we just don't have anyone like that at the minute. Well, a moment ago, Chris did mention Derek and... You know, he scored his first goal of the season, I'll bite against Crew in the first round of the Cup. Um, he played against Sheffield Wednesday, was uh, kind of anonymously, perhaps given the man of the match, or at least got loads of high praise. Came on, I think he came on late on against Hull and we looked better. He's been getting a lot of quiet praise on Twitter and he's been, um, a lot of a lot of calls have been made for him to start because he, he might not be the best for the job, but he's the only man we currently have who can do the job, you know, in that middle screen in the defence, that's just been so awfully exposed so far this year. Do you think there is scope for Derek to work his way into the team, uh, Will? Uh, Yeah, I mean, Derek seems like the only other really defensive midfielder that we've got that could sit in that position, and he's no spearing, but I think he could definitely be a better option than than what we're going with with Prattley at the minute, I think, and... um, I mean, he definitely caused a bit of a stir, you know, on deadline day when there was those pictures of him boarding the plane, you know, I think everyone did, you know, get a little bit worried, which suggests that he's actually a useful player and, you know, he doesn't really seem to be in favour in Parky's system and I think that maybe switching the the, the formation might help him be accommodated in that, but 
Um, yeah, I think he certainly des- deserves a shot because what we've got now clearly isn't good enough at mm-hmm. bottom of the table, do you know what I mean? So. You remain unconvinced, Chris. I'm not sure what I feel about it, to be honest, because I've seen Derek have as many you know, decent spells as poor games. So I'd like to see more consistency for him, but I think Will's right. I don't think we've ever really found his best position, whether that be our fault or his. I don't think he can do the dirty stuff. I really don't think he's got it in him. It's not meant to be a criticism. But from what I've seen so far, he, you know, he, he wants more time on the ball. He, he wants to maybe play a bit more of a, of a, a, a elegant sort of game and, that rough and tumble element of it, which Spearman is so good at, I don't think Derek or Prattley, for that matter, would be particularly good at. Um, so it leaves us with a bit of a, a bit of a quandary because we haven't got the players to play that position, but we're desperately in need of somebody. So someone's going to have to make do. And unfortunately, and I say that you know with the, with the sort of tongue in cheek, I don't really mean unfortunately, but it's going to have to be Prattley, I think. I really don't think Derek's, Derek's that sort of player. It'd be too much like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Uh, and we need his talents elsewhere, maybe a bit further up on up the field, uh, you know, trying to set up a bit of better play, really. I think that's what I'm trying to say, because it's all well and good being in the rough and tumble of the championship and we're talking about scrappers and so on, but we've got decent attacking players as well, and, and so I think we need to look at, at making the most of them. Derek could come in and play that role, I think. I think he could maybe play a little bit further up. I think if we're pigeonholing him a little bit as a defensive midfield player, I'm not sure that's really, you know, he, he could be a bit more than that. Will, do you think there's any, any mileage in that whatsoever? Or do you think I'm talking yeah. about Yeah, I mean, we, we've played him, I think, in the central midfield role, you know, like when, when we actually had two central midfielders and he, he played mm-hmm. well there, you know, and he seems to be wanting to get forward a little bit more. Um, I think naturally he's more defensive-minded, but he could definitely be tried out further up, you know, because obviously Vela's worked his way from the back. You know, he was playing right back at one point somehow, but I mean, going back to the bit where you said about just having a bit of fight, just before Vela got injured, he seemed to be less afraid of going into challenges you know he seems to be putting the the hard work and I think that's what we're missing as well so when he comes back he may be forced to drop a little bit deeper even though we do need him in that number 10 position it's all a bit of a compromise at the minute but I think Derek could possibly do a job further forward like you say what I'd say with Derek I think you're right he isn't he's nowhere near the rough and tumble the fighter the is you know the high rough tackler but what I do think, I think he reads the game pretty well. I think instead of tackling, he's pretty good at re- you know intercepting, which can. Well, that's what Campo better. used to do. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what, that's exactly what Campo used to do, and it's an easy comparison to make. But yeah, I, I, you know, why not? Why not uh, put that sort of confidence in and give him give him five or ten games in in the team? I don't think he's ever had a run like that. No, I don't think he has. And whenever if he has, he's been switched between positions, you know, right back, centre yeah. back, different places in the back line, uh, midfield further in Premier Field is never given a consistent go and if you're never given a consistent go how are you ever going to prove yourself in yeah. any position whatsoever but well what I want to know is is there any other any other things you want to tell us any other observations from the uh, you know the first few games of the season I think can I just like... ask you a quick question Will sorry if you don't mind go on because yeah, you, two, you, you guys spoke about Medina earlier on and I, I meant to interrupt them but I got distracted um, do you think it's that he has him improvement or do you think it's maybe our fan appreciation of what he does that's maybe changed that's, that's showing him in a more positive light even if he's only doing what he's always done maybe we've sort of I don't know like learned to appreciate him a bit more yeah I, I did touch on that before and just say that um the fans seem to be a lot more behind him this season just because you know he's, he's willing to go up for challenges and stuff like that and I just don't think we saw that kind of physical side to him last season but I, I don't think there's been a massive 
improvement in him, but we we have definitely just seen to appreciate him a lot more. You know, the fans are definitely behind him, and it just seems to be. Um, I don't I, I don't want to call it an overreaction because I think sometimes he does the, deserve the praise he gets. You know, I don't want to put him down, but um, it, it is a massive thing on how the fans have influenced it. Um, and I think because we've not been doing brilliantly, obviously, to start with, he's kind of he's been able to shine in the matches where, you know, like the Leeds game, he was the out and out man of the match because nobody else could do a job there. Yeah. There's no and, competition either, has he really? No, Wilbraham Wilbraham's not, not gonna do that, I don't think. He's he's gonna just be another Jamie Proxer, I think. Um but no, I think just because Middy's putting in the average performance it's kind of earning him the praise, like you said, it's a I wouldn't call it undeserved, but it is influenced massively by fans. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else then from the uh, first few games of the year? Um, no, don't think so. Well, we'll go into kind of deadline day and the transfer window as a whole. Deadline day seemed like it was going to be an exciting one because day prior or the morning of, um, well, the embargo was apparently nearly, or a deal had been struck with Blue Marble between Holdsworth and Co. Because um, in the time... Uh, in the last few weeks or so, uh, Sport Shield has been liquidated. Dean Holdsworth is no longer at the club, and we'll delve into all that stuff soon. But it seemed like things were going to go up, and we signed Craig Noon, who we'd been linked with for a couple of days prior. And well, before we delve into everything else, Chris, what do you think of this Craig Noon signing? It, I feel like it's a very similar signing to Will Buckley. You know, a winger who had loads of promise. I think at Brighton, I think they were both at Brighton, if I'm not mistaken. But both you were. kind of. Uh, fell on hard times after moves that yeah. didn't work out. Yeah, I think that's where we are these days, aren't we? We're a, you know we're a sort of pound shop version of the Allardyce years when we were a bit of a rehab unit for the top players who'd lost away a little bit. And I think that's that's the market we're living in. And so I think Noon's a good signing. I, I, I see him as a bit of an upgrade on on Amiobi myself. Um, similar sort of player likes to play on the right, cut in on his left foot, shoot and, and cross and so on. But maybe with a bit more of a pe- championship pedigree and hopefully with a bit more. Uh, consistency than than Amiobi's shown in his career so far, but we'll wait and see. I think he's a really good signing. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Um, he's one of those players that's always done quite well against us in the past too. So that's the sort of player that I'm, I'm keen for us to, to to sort of look to sign because they do have experience in the league and that's important. And he's always played for you know decent but not mad successful teams. And so he's had to scrap and fight a little bit as well. I didn't realise he was 29. I thought you know he's mid twenties. Funny now, I thought he was younger than that. Wow, I, was, I mid- had no idea that he was twenty nine. Yeah. Man, his career has passed him by. Done, I thought he'd done. He'd, he'd, you know, he's a good three or four young, years younger than that. I mean, not that it really matters. He, he's got experience in the league, so yeah, it's a positive signing. Hopefully, he can uh, he can come in and make an immediate impact. It sounds from the interviews that he's done so far that he's ready to rock and roll. Anyway, mm-hmm. what do you think of signing Will? Yeah, I think it, it it's a solid one. And like I said in my article before, I think they've been really sensible about looking at who we need to bring in. Because obviously, we're limited by the league as to how many players we can have. And I don't know whether it was the last slot or there's another one. But um, I think whether it was Parkinson or Anderson needed to take a good look and just assess it, you know, what sort of players we needed to look at. And like Chris said, he's got a lot of experience in the league. He seems to be one of those players who kind of terrifies the defence a little bit when we're played against teams in the past with pace you know he's he's seemed to be kind of part of that attacking force I think he's got I think I'm right in saying he's left footed and he's got quite uh, quite a good free kick on him as well you know he's a bit of a set piece specialist so hopefully he can 
making a bit of an impact, like Chris said, and um, help send things around a little bit. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'm excited by it. It's another player that I kind of when he was like up and coming, and I was like, oh, he's no, I'd like to see him at Bolton one day. Bolton has signed so many of those players recently, where I've always thought I could see him at Bolton shirt, but never do. Like. Caracan, Buckley, Noon, all those types of places. It's weird, it's weird. But I'm excited by it. Again, I think it leaves our squad quite imbalanced with so many wingers. And it's weird how many deals we do with Cardiff at the minute. It's like, so many players we have used to play for Cardiff. It's like Wigan with us, but what can you do? The most exciting thing on deadline today, though, was a deal that didn't happen, Chris. The rumours mm. I mean, the rumors were true. It's just like <laughs> the deal was denied due to a lack of cover, a lack of cover for a player that never plays, apparently. But Bolton tried to get Chung and Lee back from Crystal Palace. Mm. Would have been fantastic, would wouldn't it? It smacks, and I hate to, to sort of to say it a little bit, of, of appeasing the fans, it, much in the way that, that oh, I agree, Simon LaFondra appeared to be last in. Me neither, absolutely me neither. And the fact that it happened on the last day, well, you know, if it's a play that you've been thinking about for some time, wouldn't you have started that negotiation earlier? Maybe so for the deal, fam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is just just being devil's advocate a little bit, really, a bit, bit mischievous. Uh, it would have been a fantastic sign. He would have played him right behind the centre forward. He would have filled that gap where Vela um, has been in the last twelve months, and, and he would have been superb. Maybe not not you know not to be. Perhaps if we can stay up this season and get our finances in order, so we can January. try again. That would be, uh, that would be a super. Yeah, absolutely, would be a fantastic signing. If only the lawn window was still a thing. Yeah. We could get him Great back. Play How excited were you, Will, when these rumours were circulating? Yeah, I mean, he, he was always like a really good player when we had him, and it, it was obviously a shame to see him go when he did, um, having made such an impact the first time round. Um, I, I almost didn't believe it the first time round, and I just thought there's no chance that we're getting him back. But then when I realised how little he actually plays... Um, I just thought, why wouldn't you? You know, like you said, it it just seems a bit mischievous because even though they're saying they've got no cover, I'm pretty sure he's not played this season and only got a couple of games last season. So I'm not really sure what's gone on there. He but, scored um, one amazing goal in a cup game, I think it was like a last minute still... winner. Yeah, that's mm. right. But apart from that, he's done literally fuck all, and it's a shame to see his career kind of stagnate so much. You know, he he left, you know, that mm. lovely letter that made us all cry. And like, oh, go on, lad, you go on, you know, cause Palace were a team on the up at the time, they were playing really well, had loads of good attacking players, like, oh, he's going to add to that, and it's just never, ever happened, and Palace have since regressed. I just, it seems so much of that these days, players kind of chancing to look, going to bigger clubs, and they're just failing, and then going back to where they went, uh, went to where they started, so like Bonnie going back to, Sun- uh, to Swansea, for example. I think there's so many examples of that in the modern game, I don't know if it's kind of, it's a bit... Sad, but you can never kind of blame players for, for you know, for trying, can you? He deserved no. the move to the Premier League, I think, at the time. Oh, I was, uh, won't begrudge him that transfer at all. Yeah, just not worked out. It's a shame. Mm. I think he was definitely op- optimistic in the fact that he could kind of break strains there first thing, but I thought he'd, he'd eventually get his place. And obviously, with him not doing it, like Chris said, he would have been a perfect replacement whilst Vela's out. Um, it could have been really useful, but wasn't to be. It was not. Um, but yeah, and it was, even though it seemed early on the uh, the day that transfer deadline was going to lead to some excitement, to some perhaps new signings late on, nothing happened. We were told so a couple of hours before the deadline. And did we sign enough, Chris? Is the squad enough? And I, I feel like the answer is going to be a resounding mm-hmm. no. No, I would have liked to have seen another centre forward, and if I'm being greedy, another goalkeeper come in, perhaps one from a higher league looking for a bit of experience. Um, 
I don't think we've got enough, but you know, it was always going to be a season of struggle, whether he had 23 players, 24, 25 or 35. So I don't think anything is going to really change that much. Um, I don't know. I've just got to hope, haven't you, that they, they can muddle, muddle through and still be in a, in a chance, a position to have a chance by the time January comes around so that we can maybe get work on getting the embargo closer up to be finished mm-hmm. and then take it from there. It's just going to be one of those seasons. Isn't it? I think we've all just got to realise that there's no... Uh, there's no point in getting upset because it is what it is. We, yeah. We're in a bad situation. We've got a bit of a shit hand, and ultimately we're a, we're a League One team playing a, playing a division above where we probably should be, given the plays we've got. And so we'll just have to see how we get on. Yeah, not going to so... lose too much. Not going to lose too much sleep over if we lose a couple more. You know, even if we lose a few mm-hmm. more games on the track. If you go back to like, the last episode or two, maybe the three pre-season, I was kind of very outspokenly confident that we'd stay up. I was like, oh, we've got a good spine. We've got a, kind of a. a a system that works for a relegation team. I said we'd be better suited than Sheffield United, who are about sixth, fifth in the minute. So yeah, that went well. Um, I, you know, I thought we'd had enough of a spine, enough of um, just enough of a system and kind of a win mentality and a kind of a routine in place to hit the division well. But fixture list has fucked us over a bit. But we fucked over ourselves. You know, we should have done better in the Millwall game. We were appalling. The just gave gave a draw. You know, in Birmingham when we drew and drew and they like they got beaten by Burton and other teams who we should be competing with. Should have done better there, and it's a shame. But it's only early days still. I think you said it, Chris, on one of the last podcasts, but we needed to start early, um, start well to avoid kind of this. But alas, we have not bottom international break. How fun! Mm-hmm. I just hope hope that you know Parkinson. He seemed kind of somber after the whole game. He admitted he got it wrong <coughs> and whatnot. So I'm hoping a change of formation and tactics are in store. And if we're going to go down, I'd rather say just fucking go for it. I, you know, it's better to burn out than to fade away, as they say. But mm. well, with the you know the deadline day closing, we you know we signed players um, throughout the window. It's not a fair number um, from top of my head: Wilbraham, Robinson, Armstrong, Burke, Buckley, Cullen. We won't talk about Derby because we all know how his start of this fucking career went. But how have, how have these new signs done thus far? I'm particularly interested in Armstrong and Burke and Cullen and Buckley mm-hmm. and Wilbraham and Robinson, if you could, wouldn't mind. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the two West Ham lads have definitely been good additions. I mean, like you said, Cullen's blown a little bit of hot and cold. Um, not entirely convinced on him yet, but I think he'll come good once we start getting the results. Burke, however, has slotted straight into the defence and just done brilliantly. I mean, since Wheater went off injured at Leeds... Um, I think some fans uh, called it a blessing in disguise. I mean, I wouldn't go that far because I don't wish an injury upon anyone. But, you know, I think a, a bit of a burst of pace of confidence at the back was needed because all through that game, Wheater was, was just completely off the pace. And to see, like, fresh legs in Burke um, and just have a bit of confidence to go forward and win win the ball on every occasion is just something, uh, something nice to have <laughs> Um, and I, I think I definitely favour that partnership now with Beavers and Burke. Although Beavers hasn't massively, you know, covered himself in glory yet this season. Mm. Um, going on to the other ones, Anthony Robinson. He got a bit of game time in the cup games. Um, like the look of him, he's quite young, but he's, I'd still favour uh, Andrew Taylor at the minute. I think he's definitely the better suitable left back. Um, but. You know what? If we're struggling for pace, or he kind of goes off the boil, then maybe start to bring him in. Buckley uh, seemed to be on the bench quite a lot because Parkinson wasn't 
quite sure how to best use him. Uh, but since he's come on and he started playing in the 10 role, he's, he's impressed a little bit. But I think he would be better as an out-and-out winger, um, all told. Uh, Adam Armstrong, yeah. he's also impressed. Bit of a burst of pace. Uh, quite a prolific striker. Got a couple of goals, which is good. Um, I hope he can push on and get a few more. Um, Derby, like you said, we won't mention because he's just... I, I can't just put into words. I will defend his Leeds performance on the account that he's playing wing-back when he very clearly is not from the first minute. Mm-hmm. That was a painstakingly obvious. But he didn't fare any better and played in any other position either. So, as you said, we won't talk. Is there any others? Um, Wilbraham... I, I, I don't want to criticise too early because, like I said, I think he's just going to be coming to him for But in a way, I mean, it, it was good to see someone with a bit of physical presence again, like Medine, um, and just have someone as a backup for we him. We all know, know how badly again. this Medine whenever he was out last year. So to at least have someone who is a big lump to help Medine, mm-hmm. you can't really complain too much. He seemed to have a little bit of pace at first, but then realised he was a little bit slow. Um but I mean, he, he, I think he got the fans behind him a little bit actually at the Birmingham game as well. So um, I'm kind of hoping he does prove his wrong, but um, we're still kind of waiting for someone to set the world on fire a little bit, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, speaking of setting things on fire, namely bridges, Chris, you pointed out a story in the chat today about Niall Maher, who's gone to, I think it's Galway or something, somewhere in Ireland, I think. Mm. He had some pointed things to say about Bolton Wanderers. Do you want to tell us about them and your opinions on them? Yeah, it's very Niall interesting. Maher as the right back who kind of burst into the scene a little bit towards the end of our relegation season. <laughs> looked, I thought it looked all right in the few games he played, and but then seemingly was going to stay on, but was released and has done absolutely nothing since. Yeah, he seemed to be one of those uh, young players that Lennon sort of gave a game to just because we, you know, he fancied a bit of a laugh. Um, Oscar Threlkeld and, and, and one or two others. Um, yeah, he's gone to play for this Irish Premier League team and he's basically turned, come around and said that Wanderers misled him, that they promised him a new contract, it was imminent. And then two day, two or three weeks later, sorry, rang him up. Someone at the club rang him up, not anyone in you know any position of power or anything like that. An, an admin person, basically, to let him know that he was being released. So he's come out in the press in Ireland and just basically said how disappointed he was in the way he was treated, given that he'd played for, for Bolton at all ages for about... 13 or 14 years. Um, it had echo, echoes, obviously. We did we did something similar to Campo. We did the same thing to Per France. And obviously a lot longer, a lot later, 10 years on, if not more. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I, I keep changing my mind on it. I feel sorry for the lad because clearly, you know, he loved playing for Bolton and, he, and he, felt, he felt misled and he felt let down. But at the same time, I know there's other points of view where we, we don't really owe him anything. You know, he came in, he did okay. You know, he had one or two half decent games, didn't really rip up any trees. Um, and that it's a harsh business, and he should really be grateful for what he got. I think I'm leaning more towards the other one, though. I think that you know, there's a way of dealing with people, and, and we've clearly chosen not to deal with him in that manner. Uh, I wish him well in Ireland. I don't know what the what the standard of football is like over there. I don't think I've ever seen a, a League of Ireland match ever, and I probably Have never will. Have you ever will. seen Irish Gaelic football, though? Yeah, I used that to watch the Transworld. Transworld Sport on a Saturday morning. It was on Sky Sports for some reason when I was waiting for another match to come on at one point. Yeah, no, it's good. That and uh, that and and Cavadi. stadiums for it as well. Do used to be a staple of Saturday Saturday morning. That Cavadi and Transworld Sport with their Gaelic football. 
Fantastic. Uh, America, Australian rules soccer as well. That's really good. Australian rules football, even another crazy, crazily violent game. But about the topic of Mayor, yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll, uh, he should have something about him at that level, shouldn't he? You would expect it to be League One, League Two standard, probably, uh, to cope and to uh, to make a success of himself. And you never know, he might get his name name out there and be back over before too long. In which case, I'm sure we all wish him the best. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, to end this podcast, we must. As we mentioned earlier, talk about the Holdsworth Sports Shield dying. They were liquidated in court over the Blue Marble loan, which has risen from five million to about seven point three with interest. They've been liquidated and Holdsworth out the club. Uh, Ken Anderson is now the sole owner. Owns about ninety five, ninety four, somewhere in that region, percent of the shares. And yeah, Chris, I think opinions, I guess, on Holdsworth's. Tenure, yeah. how glorious it was. Mm, yeah, very glorious. Uh, it's one of those, and it well, it, it's it was inevitable. It's been coming for a long time. I think everyone's probably glad, apart from Dean Alder, that it's that that situation has been resolved now that we know who, who we've got, and we've got no choice really but to crack on into until uh, it does it does the best for us. Whether he, you know, I suspect he'll probably do the best for himself, which in turn will be the best for us. So that's that's a, a win for Bolton either way. Um, it's just yeah, a bit sad how it turned out, and I know that not many people will be shedding a tear for Oldsworth, but I, I believe he got he was sincere in wanting to try and help the club, and and it, you know his financier that that dropped out in the last few last minute or two. I've got no doubt that whatever plan he put in place and he presented to the league, how he was going to refinance and to cope with the Blue Marble loan, it might well have worked. We'll, we'll never know. Um, I think the only choice we've got now is to is to sort of get behind the team and get behind the club and just just hope that. We get on the right track. We've had this transfer embargo for the best part of two years. I think in December it's exactly two years. Um, that's what we need to get shot of. That's more important than when any sort of personal distrust, uh, mistrust, or beef that any anyone has Absolutely. with the, the, cost the, the, for me the, the chairman. Embargo now it's not about signing players. It's the fact that because of having this stupid limit on the amount of professionals we can have, it means young yeah. players like Jeff King, absolutely uh, Sam Lavelle, who's already gone. There's a couple of others whose names escape. Alex Perry might be one. Like we, these are from, like by all accounts, was it Alec Ball or White we've had during the who did really well during preseason. Like we, these players, um, who could come into this team, you know, this deplenished team that we can't strengthen that much because of money issues. Like this, we're missing out on the chance to put these in. You know, they might sink or swim. Who knows? They might be a mayor. They might be a clough. But the only way you're ever going to find out is by sticking in the team and having a go. And especially when our squad's so thin as it is, not being able to play them, it's costing us so dearly. Because if they can't play and they're good enough to play, why the fuck would they stay around? So it's going to cost us that in that respect. But it's such, I think, I can understand, I wouldn't begrudge the Football League for punishing a club that's been bad with its money. But this, just to me at least, this punishment just defeats the purpose. Like They try and promote mm. kind of youth players and then the we're not even allowed to play our own youth. Like, going to stand limiting the amount of signings or the amount of players' wages or anything like that. But even banning us from letting us to play our own kind of youth products, it kind of it feels to me to defeat the purpose of mm. the embargo. Because it's Agreed. not it's not punishing the club for its financial. Um, well, it is. It's punishing it for the financial, but it's going. I think it's going beyond the pale, and it's it's not really teaching anyone a lesson of what it. You know, it's not a punishment. No. It I think it's disproportionate. Like punishment for what it is. Agreed. Agreed. It is. It's going. It's going above and beyond, and it's harming. You know, not only those that are there now, but those that might be here in two or three years' time, where if we have to cut funding to different. And why uh, would you sign for us if you know you can't play? 
Exactly, exactly. So it's just it's it's really is a, a weight around our necks, and uh, it needs to go as a matter of priority. I know we've been saying this for two years now, but there's no two ways about it. And this has got to be Ken Anderson's primary focus now that he's got the he's got control. He's getting rid of this embargo because it really is it really is weighing us down. Absolutely. Um, any thoughts on the whole scenario, Will? Um, it, like Chris said, it just seemed a bit inevitable that it, it was going to come to a close at some point and the Andersons were going to get full control. I mean, it makes you wonder, because I think it was Dean Osworth in the first place who took the club over himself and then it was Anderson who then joined on. I, I might be wrong, but it then right. just begs the question as to um, as to how he kind of explained it to the league that he got enough funding. Do you know what I mean? For it to already fail by now. Um, but, you know, I don't think anyone will shed a tear over it and it's just kind of been coming and I think everybody saw that it was a little bit, um, I wouldn't say dodgy dealings, but just it wasn't all completely out in the clear and then when the Amazon started, you know, taking full control, it was like Holdsworth wasn't even there. Um, so it, I hope it doesn't change much and I don't think it will. Um and like you said, it's probably the best thing for him and the best thing for us, so let's just hope it is. Quick fire, yes or no. Will we be taken over by the end of the season, Chris? Yes. Will? No. I am with Will. I do not think we will. And, yeah. we, and who knows where we'll be come May. Um, so lads, if there's any other... Po- it's been a long time since the last podcast. A lot's happened, but also not a lot has happened in the same kind of way. It's been a weird... Weird start to the season, but is there anything else either of you would like to talk about Sports and Wanderers wise before we wrap this one up? Don't think so. No, no except that uh, it's going to be a tough game on Saturday, but fingers crossed it won't be. It'll be a, a million times better than the last dozen times we played Middlesbrough, which I think have all been nil nil draws. Do we beat the 4 0 ones? Like Matt Taylor scored from like the halfway line. It's possible. It's very possible. He might have done one or two well. things. Mm, don't remember that one myself, but I'll cling to that. I think I'll, that was I'll, the sport top kit, the sporting bra I'll, kit time. I'll absolutely cling to that and say, yeah, we're definitely going to win at weekend. Absolutely. Bit absolutely. of a bogey team, so let's hope it's going to work out for us. <laughs> well, that, ladies and gentlemen, is episode 82 of the Line of Vienna Street podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Mabroski. You can follow Chris on Twitter at 19manning83. And you can follow Will on no, Twitter you can't. at... Oh, you can't, of course. No, you can't. You Ooh. can't follow Chris on Twitter. Is, is that a topic we need to discuss? Ah, we talked about You can it. discuss it if we you want. We talked about it in the last <laughs> wrestling podcast, didn't we? <laughs> well, we, we certainly did. We certainly did. The, the, that, more, that door's closed, boys. That it's more football-related, though. So do you want to give a message to your public that have been missing you? Like, I've had so many people message me asking where you are, so do you want to tell them? You, the need, to make, uh, you need to make a statement, Chris. Uh, yeah, my statement is uh, it's been fun, and I hope you all enjoy your lives. I'm, I'm quite happy with my decision. Thank you. And there you have it. So you can't follow no, no, Chris no, no, no. on 19 but you can follow Will <laughs> at Will Jones one and you can follow us all on at Lion of Vienna State. And of course, you can still get Chris and everyone else's writing and words and wisdom over on lionofviennasuite.com. Thanks very much for listening to this podcast. If you'd be so kind to rate us, review us, subscribe, all that jazz, tell a friend, you know, it gets us some more kind of gets their name out there so to speak so lads if there's nothing left to say it's time to say goodbye so say goodbye Christopher goodbye Christopher and say goodbye Will goodbye Will and it's goodbye from me Seth Lee. <laughs>